Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are, back at it again, Replant Boot Camp, Diners, Drivers, and Dives edition in Little Rock, Arkansas. Just had some good barbecue at the Rail Yard. The Rail Yard was uh, one of my Yelp picks that's on the collections for North Little Rock. Jimbo, I would love to have a, a Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives show, and we got the car for it today. We do, yeah. You you rented a nice, fancy Challenger because yep. you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's because I travel so much and I know how to how to work the deal. Meanwhile, I'm in a Chevy Equinox with a failing tire, <laughs> but you know that's fine. That's fine. I, well, it's all good. Your family came along too, so <laughs> you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to have the five stews in uh, the Challenger, would you? No, that would be intense. That yeah. would be too much. It would be a little too much. No, Bob, one of the things I think I value about our friendship is there are not many people that, if I'm going to be honest... I always want you to be honest. Do you really always want me to be honest? Yes. Okay. I want your honesty. I mean, I like it, it but I want it. <laughs> there are not many people that I trust as much as you for restaurant recommendations. Okay. And there are not many people that would get how serious that is to me. Right. I remember when I moved to New Orleans, there was a good friend there that I'd made, and I asked him, hey, man, what's the best burger in New Orleans? And I'm dead serious. The guy looks at me and goes, checkers. Wow. And I thought, okay, no, we're not this I we're not that kind of friends. Mm-hmm. But Bob, you are that you're I mean, you are Mr. Yelp Elite. Three um, years now. Three years running. Mm-hmm. Um and so so I I defer to you. There are not many people I defer to for restaurant recommendations, but I defer to you and you've yet to fail me. Well, Thank you, Jimbo. That's well, I take that back. Okay. The tractor. <laughs> but we were in Jackson, Missouri. Okay. So, I mean, you know, there were not a lot of options. But No, it was the, it was the highest ranked thing at Yelp. But <laughs> there wasn't nary a tractor in the building. No. But if you're in Little Rock, Arkansas, Rail Yard has our stamp of approval for some pretty good brisket and ribs. And, mm-hmm. and the most interesting pasta salad I've ever had in my life. Yeah, dill pasta salad. Uh, Kelly, the guy who runs the joint, as a former University of Central Arkansas football player, jumped out of the corporate world and decided to get in barbecue. And he said, we're known for our dill pasta salad. And so we said, With like chunks of cheddar cheese in it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, cheese on anything is going to make a winner. I agree. For me. I agree. I'm, I'm a cheese guy. I'm one of those guys that puts cheddar cheese on apple pie you know what i've done that before it ain't bad it's not bad now it was uh it was kind of a crime in my family to do that for because barb <laughs> makes a homemade apple pie she makes a darn good homemade apple pie uh, if i made a homemade apple pie i would be offended if you put cheese on it yeah for to put it in church terms since we are replanters and we're talking it's like if you stood on the communion table on sunday morning and ripped the memorial bible in half that's that's kind of how she feel, felt about me putting cheddar cheese on her apple pie. Okay, good to know. Well, next time in St. Louis, tell Barb I want to try some of that apple pie, <laughs> okay. and I'll I'll keep the cheese away. 
Look, in this episode, one of the things that a lot of people have asked me recently is about my transition out of being a lead pastor and into working full-time for NAM and as a contract consultant with the JBA. Now, I was already working with NAM some yeah. as a contractor and as, with the JBA, but over the last 18 months or more, uh, God has been doing a transition in my heart and in my life for me and my wife that has led to us stepping out of that lead pastor position at Redemption Church. So a lot of people ask, why did you do that? It seems kind of out of nowhere. And do you think, when will you be a lead pastor again? Do you miss preaching? Is it just for the big bucks so you can rent challengers? <laughs> no, it's, we know it's not for that. No, it's not for the big bucks. Yeah. But uh, I did want to take one episode at least and just talk about that process and, and how to understand and, and maybe maybe there are things for you if you're considering a transition. Now, I can only speak to how God has transitioned me historically and the way he's done that in my life. But I think there are some things you can maybe pull from that and then feel free to yeah. ask some questions along the way. Yeah. So principally, I think all of us evaluate our call to ministry, right? Yeah. And sometimes we evaluate it on Sunday after we preach the yes. sermon yes, <laughs> or Monday morning or, you know, but I think evaluating your call is a regular occurrence for pastor. I just want to set the table, right? Yeah. Most every guy that I've had a conversation with about their leadership as a pastor, most of them evaluate that on a semi-regular basis. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things that you're always thinking about and you're always thinking through. Now, you can evaluate it from the standpoint of, is there something bigger and better for me to do? Mm-hmm. And I would say that's probably not the rise Correct. reason to do that. Correct. Um, you can evaluate it from an effectiveness standpoint. Am I still effective in my role? Or is the Lord opening up a door, right? Mm-hmm. So for you, when you think about the transition, and, and there's many others you could add to that. I don't want to right. limit it to right. those. But, right. but for you, when you were evaluating your call and you came to the place where you were thinking, you know, I think maybe it's time for me to transition. T- tell us about that. What, yeah. like, what started that? And how did you come to that conclusion? Yeah, there were definitely moments for me, as for any replanter in year three or four, where I would have loved to transition at any point. And I, I remember, I remember saying, "Hey, I've heard you're not supposed to quit on a Monday, but what if it's still around on Thursday? <laughs> I mean, if it's still here Thursday, Friday, are you supposed to quit?" And I, and I honestly, I had moments where I thought, I, I really, I really wanted to go. I was not in a good spot. It was rough. But I, I had some good moments with the Lord, and I asked him to give me permission, and he said no. Mm-hmm. So this was not that. I'll say that. And, I, and I, I would say, for the most part, that shouldn't be the reason that you leave. Now, if it's destroying your family, if it's destroying your health, that's a whole nother conversation. But if it's just that it's difficult and that it's exhausting, uh, that's not necessarily a reason to abandon a a call. I think that's super important to say because replanting and the guys that are listening to this podcast, the majority of them are experiencing difficulty and challenge. And so if if you're listening to this and you're a new replanter or you're thinking about replanting because you've had a bad day, a week, month, or even a year, that doesn't mean pack it up and go home. No. Right. Difficulty is not a sign that you are in the wrong place or you should step out of ministry. In fact, one of the things that difficulty might be a sign of is that something good is actually taking place. Absolutely. And that's what I'd say is, is if 
people have asked me about this, and when I say this wasn't that moment, this was actually the opposite. There were so many things headed the right direction at Redemption Church that before this transition started to happen, I really thought, man, I'm really excited to see what the next 10 years here look like. And I'd really come to peace and contentment with what God was doing at Redemption. That That's what made the transition harder was to think, I'm now at a place where I really want to see. We've worked hard for seven years to see this church get replanted, have a healthy culture, missional culture that loves the Word of God, that loves discipleship, and is starting to see all that stuff really bear fruit. And I wanted to stick around and see all that play out. I will say there's one catalyst moment that that made me start to evaluate. It was a it was in December of 2019 early December or late November, it was a really great couple of weeks at Redemption. I mean, there were some really good things discipleship-wise, leadership development-wise, missionally, and it was very exciting. But that's one of those same weeks, I, through the Jacksonville Baptist Association, had an opportunity to sit with a local pastor and help him work through some difficult things he was having at the church. And we had had a conversation about it, helped him develop a game plan on how to address those things at the church. The next week, we had a follow-up meeting, and he was so energized and so excited about how those things had started to work, the things we had talked about and the direction, and, and we got to talk about some other things. And I remember telling my wife, there's so many amazing things happening at Redemption, but that, I can't get that lunch off my mm-hmm. brain. And, and so I had a moment where I thought, okay, either one of two things is happening here. Either one, I've gotten distracted from my primary call, and I may need to step away. I, know, I may need to pull back from what I'm doing with NAM and JBA, or God is starting to transition me. And so I began praying about this in that time frame, December 2019. And January, February, March, before COVID really landed hard in uh, 2020, uh, some beginning conversations with Mark Clifton and, and you began of what what a full-time position may look like with NAM and those sorts of things. Was that about the time you came to St. Louis to do the associational assessment planning with no, us? No, that was, I mean, we're, we're talking 2020. Okay. So, okay, okay. Yeah, so this was a couple of years after that. So even then, uh, when, when I met with you, Two, a little over two years ago in St. Louis to talk about assessments and those things. It was fun. It was fun side stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I enjoyed it because I get nerdy about those things. And I just enjoyed the conversation and meeting you guys and talking with you. So started to pray about that, talking with Audrea. So here, here are some steps that I took that I would encourage. One, as I did a lot of time of prayer and in the word and asking God to search my heart and make it clear to me, do I have any selfish ambitions that I am pursuing in this? Is this a, oh, that seems like this new shiny thing and I want to go do that? Because that is part of my personality. I do, I I get distracted by shiny things and new ideas and visionary stuff. And so I knew that that could be a possibility. I asked the Lord, "Is, is that what this is or is this you? And continued to feel a confirmation that it was what the Lord is calling me to. So then I started to reach out to some mentors, some guys who had been in ministry longer than I have, who know me, know my heart, 
have seen me and just said, hey, what are your thoughts about me doing this at some point? And they were all very affirming and gave very specific affirmations as to why they could see that happening. Um, And I think that's one of the key things is you need to spend time first and foremost with you and the Lord and, and check your motivations. Anytime you're starting to evaluate a transition, I think one of the key pieces has to be what's motivating you. Yeah, it's good. Because when you, I always go back to the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the most life-changing pieces of scripture for me. And Jesus over and over says, you have heard that it was said, but I, and he doesn't reinterpret. What he does is he, he, he actually raises the bar and makes it even more difficult, if not impossible, to really accomplish the the thing. And but also makes it less black and white and more of a heart mm-hmm. issue, right? So you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I tell you, if you have anger in your heart towards your brother, if you call him a fool, uh, then you have committed anger and then you've committed murder in your heart. I tell you not to, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you have lust in your heart. So he takes it back to this idea of don't, not just, hey, don't kill anybody. That's a pretty easy uh, pretty easy bar for most people. I'm doing okay on that one right now. Yeah, I've, I have, as far as I know, I have never murdered a single person. Um, I've wanted to though. Jim. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, yes, that's the thing, right? But I have wanted to. <laughs> I, have, I, I have, I have had such anger in my heart that I really strongly desired to harm someone. Yeah. Um, and what Jesus says is. Okay, well, then you're in the same camp with murderers, right? Yep. Like, you, that desire in your heart to do that is the same. And so I think the key has to be not, I think we have to get away from open door theology, right? Well, you know, God, if you want me to move, then open the door. Um, yes. I, that's a dangerous, dangerous way of doing things. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and so I, I think there's a tendency to over-spiritualize uh, a transition or a decision in order to justify it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because how do you come back on that? How does somebody challenge you on that? Yeah. Right? That's the, the, you know, the one that we have heard sometimes in churches is, well, God told me. Yep. And then it's something about, you know, a platform or authority or position mm-hmm. or open mm-hmm. door. And so there's just no comeback, right? Yeah. For that, because that's the... That's the black box. I get what I want, or I am the arbiter of truth yeah. on this one. Yeah. So I think you're you're raising a really really good point there that uh, you've opened yourself up to some mentors and people that know you, see you, speak into your life. Yeah. You've evaluated your ministry. You're looking at what creates passion and energy in your life, and then um, you put all of that together. And then I think part of your story, too, is you run that through the filter of family. Mm-hmm. And so you want to segue there and talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I would say you go from seeking to know your motivations, talking with the Lord, get outside wise counsel that can that either affirms or or denies. And then and then in that process as well. So I go to Audria and I ask her, what, what do you see? is maybe the next because I don't know about you but my wife seems to have like a clearer connection with the Holy Spirit (laughs) than I do consistently she seems to know things before I do Mm -hmm. uh, in these types of transitions in our life 
and 17 years of marriage and ministry, she seems to always know what's coming next before I do. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her, and she said, I, I see you working either full-time for the Jacksonville Baptist Association or for NAM here soon. And she said, I, I see you light on fire just in your soul when you get to help pastors. Mm-hmm. When you get to come alongside a pastor, encourage him, and help him. And, and so that's, I would say, two things out of that is, one, you and your spouse need to be on board with what's happening. But I, I appreciate that she identified even specifically, hey, I see your passions in this, right? And she said, I see your giftings. And, the, and the, my mentors said the same thing. I see you passionate about collaborative ministry. I see you passionate about helping others and supporting others. And I see that you have gifting and, and talent in that area. And so getting that affirmation from mentors, from time with the Lord, and most not most importantly would be the Lord, second most importantly would be the dose of the Holy Spirit, the Lord let me marry, named Audrey Stewart. <laughs> and she, yes. she, she was very affirming of that as well, of that understanding. And she said she could see it in her heart. She has a passion for being encouraging to pastor's wives and helping them and to pastor's kids. I mean, she's a pastor's kid, PK. She's been, and she's been in this whole biz her whole life yeah. since she was two years old. I mean, I, she was a guide for me coming in. Yeah. I had, I had no clue what I was walking into. It, I mean, all the time she would be like, ah, don't say that. Don't do that. Don't wear cargo shorts on Sunday morning. <laughs> You know, and so she she would often pull the reins in on me a little bit and help tell me the directions I needed to go because she could navigate this uh, and translate cultural stuff for me. But she was very affirming, and and just to be honest, for her she she had hit a little bit of a wall with with some of the stuff. But here here's what we saw is where redemption was, even though it was starting to fire on all cylinders in a lot of ways. And is, I mean, missionally, in, in the culture, there's just a passion for the community. They they love hearing preaching of the Word of God through expository preaching now, which has not always been the case at that church. Discipleship is, is not just a stated value. It is an actual value of the people in the congregation. And all of those are things I celebrate greatly. But here's, I'll tell you the truth, is that there are some administrative things there that I, I don't have the ability to do. And what I could see is I stepped back. So as someone who consults others, one of the practices I try to do to myself is, is step back and go, if I were consulting someone in my position, if I were coaching, advising someone in my position, what, what sort of pastoral counsel, what sort of advice would I give someone if they described my position to them? Yeah. And I thought if I went to a pastor in my position, I mean, there's a part of me that would say, you may need to pray about, you've got to either raise up somebody that is going to be administrative and, and take that on, or maybe someone else, a different style of leadership is maybe it's time to pass the baton. And that became even more of an affirmation for me. And it wasn't a, man, things have gotten bad and I want to go. It wasn't, it was, it was an honest assessment, self-assessment that I, there are structural procedural things needed, needed at Redemption Church that I am not capable of giving. And I'm looking and I've got a guy who's been doing a replant residency with us for a year, 
who is very gifted in those things. And he's chomping at the bit to serve and lead. And so when he agreed to be, when he asked him, if I were to do this, would you be willing to be the interim? And he said, yes. And that was another confirmation for me that I knew I was passing the baton to somebody that could tighten up a lot of that stuff. So whoever ends up getting to be the next pastor of Redemption Church, if you see any smooth processes there at all, I had nothing to do with that. Surfboard Don. Surfboard Donald Shot did that, not me. And so you can thank him for his hard work he's doing right now in, in that. And so seeing that missional, biblical, discipleship culture get undergirded and supported with the framework and structure and that he's putting in place there now makes me really excited about the future of that church and knowing that the future of that church is better without me being the lead guy. Yeah, we everyone on us has a lid that we hit or a wall or a barrier as a, as a leader. And um, you're going to run into it multiple times and it, it scales up. So so if your barrier is administration, it's going to be that everywhere you go, mm-hmm. it's just going to look different depending mm-hmm. on your situation. If you have some staff and, and volunteers around you that can handle that, then you know, it's going to look different for you. Yeah. But eventually you'll hit that barrier again. It'll just, it'll mm-hmm. be different. So we've talked a lot about in, in terms of your transition, it was a, a, a transition unto something else, mm-hmm. stepping out of the church world. A lot of our guys, especially replanters, seven years in, right? And that's when you hit that transition. Yeah. And so we say preach, pray, love, and stay. We tell guys stay five to seven years. Some of our guys that are listening probably are in the first three to four years. Mm-hmm. And some of them may need to leave because it's destructive yes. to, to them. Yes. Right. So if you were to give like two to three signs or four signs that it's destructive and you might consider making a transition, what would be some of those warning flags? So I would say a warning flag, if it's, if it's destructive, you'll see it in your marriage. Mm-hmm. You'll see it in your own spiritual walk. You'll see it in your family. Uh, if, if you are spiritually dry, like, and, and it's, it's taken everything in you to get a sermon ready because you're in a spiritually dry season and you're not working from an overflowing cup, that, that either means you need a sabbatical or you need to step away or you need a sabbatical to figure out if you need to step away. Yeah. Because one of the things we have to remember in this is what we do is supernatural. This is not a business and you cannot strategize your way to spiritual health. And so you have to be a spiritual leader. So you'll notice if if it's fracturing your marriage, you may need to ask your wife some hard questions and give her permission to speak truly and say, "Is, is this damaging our marriage, how I'm leading? And be ready for her to answer. Or if your wife has just flat out said, I'm not going to church anymore. I don't want anything to do with that place. <laughs> you, you need to figure some things out. Yes. Now, well, there's, there's two aspects of this. Okay. The reason I bring this up is because I've, I've, I've seen both sides of this. There's, there's the aspect of the church is just one of those uh, churches that chews up pastors and spits them out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And every guy before you and every... Every pastor and his family before you has gone through the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just your turn, all right? Yeah. 
that's probably a church you just need to step away from. And that church needs to be dealt with significantly in some other ways, right? So that's a given, right? If, if it's destructive to your family, the five other pastors before you tried it as hard as you and were spiritual like you, and there's something wrong in that church. Yeah. Embedded, okay, stronghold, right? Just, yeah. It's, it's just going to take some really significant things. That's one thing. You can always go the William Carey strategy. (laughs) So I graduated from William Carey College. Yes. And so every professor thought it was just just unique and brilliant to make us watch the William Carey movie, right? And if you don't know his story, his first wife. (laughs) Didn't she get sick and die or did she just leave? No, that was his second wife. Okay, all right. His first wife went crazy and tried to kill him. I may get those out of order. I can't remember. One got sick and died. One, I think that was number two. One lost her mind and tried to murder William Carey. That's a bad day. You need to leave the church. <laughs> you need to, that happens. You need to step. William Carey, seven years before he sees his salvation and three wives. All right. That is not a model to follow. No. Uh, you, you, don't, don't drive your wife to the point she wants to murder you in your sleep. Yeah. Uh, you need to step away before that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it, I, I want to just drop this in. We've talk, talked about this about mental health go see a christian marriage counselor on a regular basis mm-hmm. me and my wife check in every once in a while with one just to just to get an outside perspective and help and they've helped uncover things before that we were not aware of that that helped us grow then it was life-changing man it was so good sweet and we went in i mean and uh, people who love each other and came out like with just new knowledge about ourselves and each other, and it strengthened our marriage greatly. And so, seek outside help, man. Figure that stuff out. Yeah. Don't don't sacrifice your marriage at the altar of that specific local church. Now, if the Lord says preach the gospel and you're going to get arrested and you're going to, you know, that's one thing. But if it's just that I've chosen to give the best of myself to leading this specific local church. And so in turn, I give the worst of myself to my wife and kids. Mm. That's not a good move. No, it's a bad move. It's a bad move. We don't, yeah. You're neglecting your first point of ministry, right? Yeah. Um, Circling back, there there are some guys out there, and this is a tough one because we've experienced this before uh, and recently, where the the guys legitimately called the ministry, gifted to ministry, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, there's nothing really wrong with, with at the church or with him. And, and but his wife just says, "I don't want to be a pastor's wife," mm. and she's out. Yeah, right. We had that happen in our church with a guy who was helping us, and uh, yeah, and it happened to him a couple of times. Yeah, right? and at that point, um, there's some significant struggles and some significant issues, and we may have some brothers. Who's, who are married to wives that just don't want to be a pastor's wife. Yeah. At that point, I don't know that you have another option uh, other than to just get out of ministry, earn a living, love your family, love your wife, and be a good lay person somewhere in some church. Yeah. And, and so, obviously, there's some significant transitions that, that may have to take place in that regard, but that's a unique situation. Yeah, and that, that comes down to, listen, I was thinking about this the other day. We... We created a term, vocational calling. Mm. You're, you're not necessarily going to find that phrase in the Bible, nor that concept. Now, I'm not saying pastor shouldn't be paid. I think that's clear in the Bible. Uh, Hebrews very clearly talks about that, right, in other passages. But it's one of the things I realize is I'm called to serve the local church. 
I don't, I don't know that I'm called to be paid by the local church. I don't know that I'm called to always be a lead pastor. I don't know. You know, I don't think I'm, I know that I'm called to love and serve the bride of Christ. But if my bride is saying it's time to step away, it would be foolish of me to throw my marriage away over a ministry, paid ministry opportunity. I just would be foolish to do that. Yeah. Jimbo, we, we might want to do a part two on this yeah. where we talk a little bit more about, you know, what you uh, see as your specific calling in the role that you're working with JBA and then also with NAM and then yeah. how you can, uh, how, how you become aware of your gifts and how you exercise those. Because one of the questions that we get a lot when, when we uh, are out different places is guys look at what we do with the bootcamp podcast and in particular with Nam, and you always ask they always think about this question how did you guys get that job <laughs> <laughs> tune in another time maybe. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> we'll tell you the seven step pathway to yeah no 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 no, no, no. but but that's one of the questions like how do you get at, like how does yeah how come you and mm. not someone else that's a good one and so why don't we uh put a bookmark in this one yeah and then maybe we'll pick up on that all right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.